Hey, it's good to be with you. Um, I'm Matt Swank. I'm the youth pastor here at the street and uh, going to be sharing with you a little bit today from Psalm 37. But first, I just, I kind of felt that it was important that I kind of started with a little bit of a, um, a confession, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't always been the best friend in, a, in the world. Um, and it all started uh, quite a number of years ago, probably about 85, 86 was when it started. As a kid, I grew up on a lifestyle block, small farm. And me and a friend of mine, he came over, he was a city kid, came over and we just went and uh, we'd spend time out in the field and out in the paddock and we'd just play out there and, and kind of do our thing. And as boys do, when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> And so when you're in a field and you got to go, you find the nearest corner and you go. And so my friend said, I got to go. And so he heads over to the corner and I just said to him, I said, Trent, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> and he said, why? And I said, I just wouldn't do that if I were you. And he said, well, I'm going to unless you tell me. And I said, well, I'm just telling you, just trust me, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And so he went ahead, and the next thing I knew, he was laying on the ground. <laughs> and um, he had just peed on an electric fence. And um, <laughs> electricity travels quickly. Um, and uh, after I recovered from my laughter, I said to him, I told you I wouldn't do that if I were you. Um, and so... Um, you're wondering what that has to do with today and the message. One is he's never done that again, um, as far as I know. And number two, uh, you see, knowledge, we're talking about wisdom today. Knowledge tells you that there is an electric fence. It, well, there's a fence. Experience tells you that it's electric, and wisdom tells you not to pee on it. <laughs> and a good friend tells you all three. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, um, maybe we should pray after that. So let's, uh, let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, the fact that you are, you give wisdom freely and uh, you give it to us in your word. And so God, I just pray that you would, um, you would just uh, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word today. Help us to see the wisdom that is there and uh, that we would um, embrace you, that we'd embrace your wisdom and, and a, a, a lifestyle of wisdom. So Lord, again, I thank you and I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So we've been kind of going through these uh, Psalms over the last few weeks. We've covered Thanksgiving. We've looked at praise. Um, we looked at lament. And this week we're kind of looking at, at wisdom. And we're going to look at Psalm 37. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read it. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a long song, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. And um, I just encourage you then afterwards, just kind of have your Bible open to it and just kind of reflect over it as we kind of unpack it. But it's uh, Psalm 37 comes on page 515 in my Bible. Um, that may or may not help you, um, but that's the page of mine. So Psalm 37, and this is how it reads. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. 
Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken." Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For, the blessed, for those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. When he delights in his ways, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his, his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I've seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright. For there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. 
So what we have here is we have this, this wisdom literature that has been written by King David. And one of the things that separates wisdom literature from, say, the song, from, say, the praise or thanksgiving is it's more about practical living. That's what the wisdom is about. It's about practical living and living successfully. And here is David as, as we look in this psalm that he's looking back on life, looking back from, um, from all that he's experienced. He's, he's much older now. And he um, is kind of looking at the things that have happened throughout his life and just sharing wisdom uh, from those experiences. And you see, his wisdom comes from first, he had a, he had a knowledge of God. He, had, he experienced a life with God. And ultimately, those two coming together, he gained wisdom from God. And so he, in this passage, is then sharing that wisdom on from that perspective of knowing who God is. And so um, he's just giving some practical things of, of what should happen. So I just kind of looked up what wisdom is, and, and I'm just going to give you a couple uh, brief definitions from a couple um, biblical encyclopedias. And uh, the first is, Although the term wisdom is used primarily in the Old Testament with reference to human beings, all wisdom, all wisdom is ultimately rooted and grounded in God. So the very source of all wisdom comes from him. Biblical wisdom refers to practical skills associated with understanding and living a successful life. And so this is the place that we start from. One, that wisdom comes from God. So understanding who he is and what kind of wisdom he presents because of who he is. And then kind of looking at that practical side. So we're, gonna, we're going to unpack that a little bit. And so if you find that you're seeking wisdom, that might be things that are going on in your life, but you're currently seeking wisdom or you're seeking to live with wisdom or if you're just looking to live a successful life, then this is where it begins. And it starts even at the beginning, and it says, do not fret. Do not fear. Do not fret. Do not fear. And from there, what we begin to see and what we're going to unpack is that this wisdom is not being captivated by those things, but actually being captivated by God. It starts with the person of God being present with God and doing the practices of God. So let's, uh, let's take a look at who is this, the person of God, and what does this passage tell us about the person of God? And I just went through and I just pulled out a bunch of them, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at those um, on the slide and just see a bunch of things that tell us about the nature of who God is. And it starts out with, um, he... This God, he is the God who gives the desires of your heart. That is, that's what he enjoys doing is giving us the desires of our heart. Now, we'll unpack that a little bit later, but he, he, he enjoys giving us those things. That God will bring forth your righteousness. So in other words, he protects your reputation. He brings out um, the goodness that um, he's placed in you. He's the God who gives inheritance, that there's an inheritance for us. He's a God who gives peace, the God who upholds us. 
He's the God who protects our heritage, the God who provides during scarcity, the God who upholds our hand, the God who will never forsake us, the God who preserves us forever, the God who protects our steps from slipping, the God who will not abandon, the God who gives us a future, the God who grants us salvation, the God who helps and delivers. With all of those things, who wouldn't want to be connected to this God? Because this God, clearly in what we see, this God is for us and desires to be with us. And if I were to sum up all of those things, I might sum them up this way, that our God is a God who is ever present with us. He is a God who is a giver. He is a sustainer and he is a protector. And so today, that might be the only thing that you need to hear, is you might just need to be reminded who God is. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've gotten distracted by what's going on in your life. Maybe, maybe it's, it's lockdowns. Maybe it's, um, it's vaccinations. Maybe it's your livelihood, whatever it is. He's saying, do not fret, but pay attention to this is the God who desires to be in with you and connected to you. And remember that. Reflect on that, on who he is and what he desires to do. But then going on, it's, about, it's also about uh, present, being present with God. And so presence has to do with position. And, and in this passage, he kind of describes really two distinct positions. One that is present with God and one that is opposed to God. And so um, the one that's opposed to God, this is the way he calls them. He calls them, gives them three different names. Um, evildoers is twice, wrongdoers once, and wicked 13 times he calls them the wicked. And here's what they do. They carry out evil plans. They plot against the righteous. They, um, they abuse their power towards the poor and the needy. They borrow and do not pay back. And they watch for opportunity to take advantage of people. See, that's the wicked. And that's something that's very distinct, very opposed to the nature of God, the character of God, and even being with God. It's about them consuming for them and what they want. But on the other hand, the righteous person, the person that is present with God, the person that's living with wisdom and gaining wisdom, he, this is how he describes them. Meek. Righteous. Uses righteous nine times. Blameless two times. Upright once. And man of peace. And here's, here's what he says that they do. Um, their way is righteous. Their, or sorry, their way is upright. They're generous and they give freely. Uh, lending generously. That when they speak, they utter wisdom. That their, their tongue speaks justice. And the law of God is in their heart. Not just something that they know, but actually in their heart. That it's shaping their desires and shaping their, their passions. And it's also that they take refuge in God. They seek to be in his presence. And it's not just when things are bad. It definitely when things are bad, but also when things are good. To be with God. 
And so those are two very distinct groups of people. On the one hand, we have those who are the righteous. And on the other hand, we have those who are the wicked. But the group that it complete, this passage completely ignores is the ones in the middle. And I say and bring those out because for most of us, and, and probably very few people would say that they identify as being a, a wicked person, right? <laughs> Hardly anyone would say, yeah, that's me. I'm that one. Yep, got to own it. Um, like very few people would actually say that. And probably we would even, we might even say very few people in our culture um, that that kind of exemplifies them. Um, and so that's a very distinct thing. But then we also might, for many of us, we might say, but I'm not sure I'm fully pursuing God or I'm not fully present with God. And so in that sense, we might be falling in that middle ground. And you see, the, I think the reason that it ignores that is because um, being in that first one, being present with God is the goal. And that is the ultimate goal for all of us. And that's where we truly experience the wisdom of God and experience the presence of God and experience what scripture would describe as successful living. And so the invitation then for us is to come and be in the presence of God and experience him and allow these to be worked out in our lives. And so then after that, so we've, we've kind of talked about the person of God. We talked about being present with God a little bit. But how do we do that? How do we actually be kind of present with God? And, and to do that, it's kind of following the practices of God, the things that God invites us or challenges us um, to do. And those, those are really, most of those are in those first few verses of Psalm 37. And, um, and they're, they're practices. Now, um, just to kind of set this up a little bit, um, I have two kids, Reuben and JL, and we have certain practices around spending time together, but also practices that actually protect them. So one of the things that um, oh, my son Reuben, he loves to run and he loves to be first. And that means even when we cross the street. And so I reach down and I grab his hand and his hand's wiggling, trying to, to get out of my hand and all of that. But the reason that I ask for that, the reason I ask him to hold my hand, to trust me, is because I can see what he can't see. And so God invites us into these practices because he can see what we can't see. And so the first invitation in terms of practice is to trust in him, to actually take whatever I've got, whatever's going on and saying, God, I trust you. Your perspective is bigger. You see all. I trust you with what this is. And the question is, do I trust God with my finances? Do I trust God with my health? Do I trust God with my prosperity? Do I trust God with my scarcity? Do I trust God with my kids? Do I trust God with my very life? And so that's what, 
when we move into that space of trusting him, we begin to experience full freedom of, of wise living and successful living. But then the next one is, says to delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. We, 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 there's so many things that we take pleasure in. We take pleasure in certain activities and, and pleasure in, in um, maybe, maybe it might be sport or for some it's, it's reading or for some it's cinema or, or different things. But God says, I want you to take delight in me. I like what John Piper talks about. John Piper talks about Christian hedonism, all right? So hedonism is pursuing pleasure. That's basically what hedonism is. But John Piper redefines it as Christian hedonism, that we are fulfilled, that our pleasure is fulfilled in delighting in God, that we can experience that in him. And so I, that's my encouragement is that take the time to actually delight in God, just to, to spend time in his presence, to soak up who he is. Because it says in that one, with that one in, in particular, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As you choose to delight yourself in him, what is he going to give you? He's going to give you more of him and more and more. And so if you haven't been experiencing, maybe, maybe it's time you just need to choose to sit and delight in him and allow him to give himself to you. The next one is uh, commit your way to him. Commit your way to him. It literally means uh, roll over. <laughs> the Hebrew word literally means to roll over and uh, often talks of a giant stone rolling over. But the idea is that we roll over, that we commit our things over to him, roll them over to him for him to handle. And that those, the things, our ways, it's not just about saying, okay, God, this is my plan. God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm committing it to you. That's not what it is. It's actually saying, God, I commit myself to you and entrust you to, and entrust to follow your ways and embracing your ways. So that's what it's all about, is it's not about my plan, but it's actually rolling it over to him and trusting his plan. Next one is, is waiting on the Lord. And it says it multiple times to wait on the Lord, to actually sit and wait on the Lord. And if we're going to do that, that means that we actually need to um, listen and we need to pay attention for where he's working. See, if God, if, if God is the God that we believe him to be, that God is truly present everywhere, that God is already at work then in whatever circumstances we're facing, even though we might not be able to see it, God is currently already at work in those circumstances. And so the, the thing for us to do is to sit and wait and pay attention and look for where is God at work? Where is he inviting me to join him? That's what waiting is all about. And the last one is refrain from anger. And whatever I'm facing and whatever I might be dealing with, to be able to let that go, to not fret, to not have anger, but to truly trust in God. That's what it is to gain wisdom. That's how we gain it. That's how we get successful living. It's by 
recognizing the presence or the personhood of God. It's uh, practicing or, or being present with God and then doing the practices of God. And so in just a minute, we're going to go into communion. And as we go into communion, it's really an opportunity to do what we've just been talking about. To actually sit as we go into this and to first recognize the person of God. To reflect on who he is. That he is a God who desires to be active in my life and has gone so far to die for me that I might have relationship with him. What an incredible God. So it's, it's taking the time to reflect on that person, that character and nature of God. But then the next thing, it's to be present with God. To sit and just be still and present with him. And last, the practice I would encourage is to just take a few minutes to just delight in the Lord. Delight in who he is and what he's done and what he has for you. I just want to pray as we go into communion. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your, um, the person of who you are and what you, Lord, all that you are that, and that you invite us to be present with you. And Lord, you give us ways to do that. And so, Lord, I just pray now as we, as we do communion, as we spend time worshiping you through that, Lord, that we would get a greater glimpse of who you are, that we would experience your presence and that we would delight in you. Lord, again, I thank you. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus.